Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Oh, Chris, what are we listening to? That's uh, Bad Reputation by Sweetie Johnson. Um, I know I got a bad reputation, and it isn't just talk, talk, talk. That's in dual um, dedication to the return of Dylan Brooks and the emergence of John Morant today. <laughs> uh, have you ever booed anyone in your life, Chris? Uh, I don't think so. And not, 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 not that I can remember. Right. If I were more of like a wrestling fan and like I was going to wrestling shows, right. like I think part of part of the part of the whole performance for right. everyone is to boo the bad guys. Right. But that's not that's a theoretical proposition for me. Um so probably not. So even like as a twelve who were you what what kind of games were you going to when you were twelve? I wasn't. I lived in a small town in Arkansas, and we had no money, so we weren't going to anything. <laughs> and you didn't go to Arkansas games or any, so you, like, you know, whatever. So you weren't booing anyone. Because at 12, you right. kind of might get into the booing thing. So, um, right. but you did write a column today. We'll start with Dylan. Uh, and, and where you ex- ex- expressly instructed people to boo this man. Yeah, I mean to be clear, I don't I, I don't expect anyone to follow any instructions I give. <laughs> so and so it's it's you know, I don't think I'm that important. But no. and so it's 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 more of a, it was a conceit to right. try to write about the, the kind of player, the, the odd kind of player Dylan is. And so like, you know, do I think people are gonna do what I propose? No, but it was like a way for me to try to write something worth reading, which was the main point. Right. I do wonder, like you said in there, the point is, is that the way you honor a villain, play tribute to a villain, is to give them what they want uh, to be booed. I actually, I think, I think Dylan Brooks feeds off of booze and feeds off of all of that. But, but maybe this is getting way too uh, therapist here. I think Dylan would love it if he got a. Res- I won't if he got an overwhelming cheer. I think Dylan. I think in fact there was one. There was the one day I think when he was booed last year where he's like, I don't care, like whatever. He very clearly wants to be appreciated. I mean, don't you think he wants to be appreciated? Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I, I don't know if there's a way to like do like a playful boo followed by right. cheer or whatever. Again, I'm not. I'm not actually. I'm not really advocating for specific behavior on the part of people in the right. world. I'm just trying to write about Dylan Brooks. Right. Um, you uh, you do in the context of this column write about the entire uh, the, the the saga of Dylan Brooks, and it is interesting. A highlight film and a low light film. There's a lot of rich material. What are the three? Here you go. 
What are the three most memorable Dylan Brooks moments from his career? Um, three most memorable. I, I think, you know, mileage varies for different people. I, I feel like the, just the entire game against Golden State, which sort of the, the one moment out of the game is him making the basket and sort of bumping, bumping faces with Draymond Green. Yeah. But, but there was a lot more that happened in that game, too. But, like, that moment in the context of that game, I, to me, still feels like number one. That was last um, year. That was last year's game, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I remember, I mean, this may be more of a personal thing, but I deeply cherish the phrase regular pedestrian. <laughs> and so him calling um, Shannon Sharp a regular pedestrian, like, <laughs> will we'll live in my heart as long as I live. Right. Um, and I don't know, I, this probably won't be one that people bring up, but, like, his series against Utah on that first playoff run, and, yes, Grizzlies lost in five, and, yes, Donovan Mitchell, like, had a big series. Donovan Mitchell had to work extremely hard to get shots off against Dylan Brooks. Dylan averaged 20-something a game on good shooting. He had a fabulous playoff series the first time around. It wasn't so great after that. People will remember, I think, I mean, probably, like nationally, the one that sticks out will be the poke the bear comment and then the, the, the LeBron is old and then the subsequent humiliation. Like that is, right. it's A, the most recent um, but that was also the most uh, on the biggest platform. And so I do think that's what a lot of folks will sort of remember most searingly about uh, Dylan Brooks. Was he, when the Grizzlies won the play-in game, was it the play-in game against the, against the, against the Warriors? Was he big in that game? Was he not? I don't think he was particularly and he is not what I remember from that game. I think he – there was a whole period there of him guarding um, Steph Curry well, and, and you you got, right. you know, sort of a highlight package of him chasing around Steph Curry in the same way you did of Tony Allen chasing around Steph Curry. So he was obviously party to that, to that, to that. But I, it wasn't like the Dylan Brooks game or anything. Right. Um... He's obviously playing well in Houston. Well, a couple of things. One is, and this is this is something we've talked about ad nauseum. Um, could it have ended differently with the, he and the Grizzlies? Yes, but from a contractual perspective, uh, it seems like this was almost just the way it was going to work out. The Grizzlies couldn't have offered him more money before last year, money that he would have been wise to take. And so both sides, uh, so, so that was, it's clear why there was no contract before last year. And then by the end of last year, uh, he was going to get – he got this four-year, $90 million deal with Houston. The Grizzlies probably couldn't have matched it, and he probably wouldn't have taken it had they had or whatever. So it seems yeah, inevitable. Kind of a, Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the matching stuff, I mean, you know, it, I know you're using that sort of colloquially. I know, like, colloquially. It wasn't restricted. So, so they couldn't like – they, they couldn't have wanted to like – even if they had wanted to compete with that, um, th- that certainly would, would have been onerous for the Grizzlies financially. But I think even more than that, it's just the way things sort of drift, the way, the way the relationship sort of fell apart and the way things ended, not just in that Lakers series, but that was like two, two, two season-ending playoff series in a row where he basically shot 30%. And I just think things, it, it, if he had had a great series against, if they win that series against the Lakers and Dylan Brooks is great, then maybe you do have a different outcome there, even with the money in question. Because it's not like they're paying Marcus Smart nothing. They're paying him $20 million as well um, on a shorter deal. But I think it was a combination of the, the cost and then just it, just things just went 
so poorly that they they were going they were not going to bring him back. Um, he's obviously played well in Houston for a surprisingly good Houston team. Um, he has shot less and shot better. And the point you make is that um, it's it's at least in part because he's been properly slotted in a pecking order that has remained relatively healthy, whereby when he was with the Grizzlies, that pecking order was never healthy. And so he, in many ways, was called upon or forced or expected or took it upon himself to do more. Yes? Um, yeah. So, yes, I, I think it's both, you know, a, it's a combination of him coming into a situation. So with the Grizzlies, he was sort of pushed down the pecking order over time, and I think that's probably harder to accept than coming into it. Right. But the other factor is that that the Grizzlies just never had the chance to to really establish. Once Desmond Bain emerged as the true third member of the Big Three, not Dylan Brooks, they never really had a chance to firmly establish Dylan's place in that pecking order because there just weren't that many games where they had all four of them together. And the stat, there are very few stats in this column. This is maybe the only one. But Dylan, but I think it's key to understanding the difference between Houston Dylan and Memphis Dylan. And I think it's a point that's been mostly missing from that conversation is that this season he's played 95% of his games in Houston with their top three scores. He's been the fourth guy. Over the past two seasons in Memphis, he played 23% of his games with the Grizzlies' top three scores. And if you went back and looked, and I didn't have time to drill into all this, but I think if you went back and went, went back and isolated, you know, those those 23%, I think it's 37, 38 games over two years. If you went back and isolated that and looked at Dylan Brooks' stats only in those games, I don't know that the shooting would be better, but I'm sure the shooting would be less. Yeah. Uh, uh, last year, uh, you pointed out in the column, again, people can read it uh, over at the Daily Memphian, of the 82 games last year, um, he played with Ja, Bain, and Jaron exactly 11 of those games. And um, and so so he was in a bigger role. Now, when you say that that context has been largely missing from the conversation around Dylan, some of what you do hear about the conversation of Dylan is... Uh, well, it's Taylor Jenkins' fault that 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 they are able to get more. They, they in Houston, a different head coach is able to properly slot him in his role. Taylor Jenkins never could do that. Do you do you fault Taylor? Uh, no, I mean, is there is there some difference in respect and motivation there? Maybe I think that's hard to know from the outside. Right. Uh, I don't. I won't dismiss that that could be a factor, but from a from a more of a strategic usage standpoint. I think it's more about that by the time you needed to move Dylan to a lower place in the pecking order, you couldn't get the guys healthy to do so. I also think that like Dylan is shooting less and better right now. And that those things tend to go, to go, to go to coincide. And I ended up not taking this out of the column just because I didn't want a bunch of stats in there, but his, his shooting for the month of December for, for Houston so far is 40% from the floor and 30% from three, which is pretty familiar. And so, like, you know, he's had good stretches for the Grizzlies, too. You know, he's had good months for the Grizzlies. He's had good half-seasons for the Grizzlies. I think, you know, I, I would caution Houston fans not to consider Dylan Brooks shooting to be reliable, even if he stays in that fourth spot in the pecking order. Now, his departure, in addition to being... It, it's never great when a player can just walk out the door and you get nothing for him, right? Like, that, he, uh, he was an asset and you got nothing for him. 
Not only that, you ultimately replaced him with Tyus Jones in using two first-round draft picks, including one that's the Warriors' first-round draft pick. Like, it may turn out to be, depending on how this looks, a truly unfortunate turn of events, that the, uh, of an asset management. I don't know that it could have been avoided, right? But, like, depending on how this goes, let's see how Marcus Smart turns out, I guess, as part of that. Yeah, I, I think we have to find out on the Marcus Smart stuff. It, to some, I mean, it's related, but it's not, like, directly related um, because, you know, you didn't they – could, they could have done the Marcus Smart trade and re-signed Dylan Brooks, theoretically. I mean, those things were not connected to each other in a direct way. Um, I think the Marcus Smart thing is, is to me, is inconclusive at the moment. I don't. I don't care about the Tyus Jones part of it, honestly. Right. I, you know, he, he was he was he was on an expiring contract. He was not going to resign with the Grizzlies next summer. He is a single position backup point guard. Who their idea, which I think it may not be operable this season, but it's the was the right way to think about their team was that we have to maximize what we can be in postseason basketball, and we're not going to do anything in the postseason without John Morant. And when we have John Morant, Tyus Jones is going to play twelve minutes a game. And so, you know, I, and then the pick they gave up this year was like the number 25th pick in this draft. The Golden State pick is the main thing that they gave up in that trade. And I think they thought, I don't know this, but I assume that they looked at it and thought, well, that's going to be a pick in the 20s and a bad draft. And that's what I thought, too. Right. <laughs> now it looks like it may be a pick, you know, and the, and the, the, the teams are, are even better the way Golden State's going. Yeah. But to me, that, that's something, it was rational when they did it. And sometimes rational decisions don't work out because you can't control the future. Um, okay. Uh, I don't, you know, I'm not particularly looking forward to the jaw thing. I'm uh, looking forward to seeing him step back on the basketball court, not necessarily step back in front of a podium. Um, but um, what do you expect? You know, I, Zach Kleinman sort of already come out when he, if you go back to, to the night of the draft, it said, like, words don't matter. Right. And I, I agree, but, like, you know, words are all we're going to get today, and so that's sort of what we got. Um, I think it's good that he has not, you know, appeared on the public record in any, like, notable negative way um, um, since, since, since the suspension. I'm not going to tell you I know everything John Morant's been doing or anyone else has been doing, but, like, it doesn't matter unless it becomes, like, a public thing or a thing that matters, and so so, so far so good on that front. Um you know, you, you would rather him say the right things than say the wrong things. And so uh, I said he'll say the right things. I, you know, I, one of the things that's notable to me about it is that it's so far from the incident that he, you know, with him speaking, that was not the case the first time around. It was, it was the proximity was much, much closer between the incident in, in Denver and him speaking about the incident in Denver. You know, this incident happened in May, and here we are in December, and it's the first time he's talked about it. And it's like it happened so long ago, like people have sort of maybe forgot about the precipitating incident itself. And I'm, I'm not interested necessarily in dwelling on that, but I think it's notable that, like, he's a major public person who had, did a, had a major, like, thing that led to a 25-game suspension, and he's never talked about the thing itself. And so I assume to some degree he has to answer to, like, how did this happen again? Like, it already happened once, and then you come out publicly and say, like, no more John on the blogs, and, like, you know, I've changed. And then immediately it happens again. He's never actually answered to that. Um, yeah, we do all, by the way, you're right. We want him to say the right things as opposed to the wrong things. When you look back at the previous, like he's had a bunch of, you know, there was the one with Jalen Rose, and then there was the one that uh, he did after shoot around, whatever, the last time, which was in the gym, um, yeah. giant scrum. No. 
really it'll unappealing. Be, they're doing it in the media yeah, room this yeah. time. That'll be better. And that'll be better. It'll be it'll, the whole like gather around him thing was pretty uncomfortable. It was really probably more so for him than us, but it was not comfortable for us either. It set up a, just a bad dynamic. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah. did, you, did you think? Did you come away from that saying he did not? Like in, to the extent that that became foreshadowing, it, did you come away from oh, that think, saying think, he didn't say the right was, things? Yes, I think there was a there was a certainly a a strand of defensiveness in in that 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 um, you know talk exchange, or yeah. conference or whatever. Yeah, that exchange. I think there was a strain of defensiveness. There's a strain of of there's a little edge of defiance in that. I mean, edge of defiance is part of what makes him a great basketball player. But right. you know, you got to modulate that around about the right the right thing. Um, one of the differences this time, a it's happened the second time, and it's cost him a lot more. But then B, he's watched his team fall apart without him on the floor, and I said he'll speak to that. Yeah. All right, Chris, appreciate it. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.